0: We're reading from Isaiah chapter 9 and the first seven verses. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
1: Father God in heaven, this evening we would see more of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, as we look upon Christ in your word, We pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work and he would help us to know and to love and to trust and to worship Christ more and more. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, according to at least one of my sons, my brief this evening is to keep it brief. I have no idea why, but there we are. Um, Maybe I do. So my text this evening is Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Well, the Old Testament contains some wonderful prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah, concerning the coming and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in front of us this evening is possibly one of the best known of them all, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. And many of us know these words well. Some of you, I reckon, have already been singing them eternally to the music of George Friedrich Handel and his Messiah. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But these words were originally delivered by the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a time of great darkness in Judah. There was much godlessness in the land, Uh, godlessness inside the land of Judah, but from outside there was external threat as well. It was a time of great darkness. But in these verses, the Lord promises a light to dispel the darkness. One day a light would come to Galilee of the Gentiles. And in these verses, Isaiah reveals to us something of the Messiah, of the Christ That's God's anointed king, the light of the world. The Lord promises through Isaiah the coming of a child, a son, the Messiah. Isaiah has a prophetic vision. He sees Christ and he reveals Christ to us. And that's what God's people desperately needed at that time. They needed a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. They needed to know his person and his work, his glory, before he came. And of course, tonight, as God's people, there is nothing that we could need more this evening than a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know him better. We need to see him with spiritual eyes. Maybe this year you have felt much darkness. I know on my part, perhaps in a way I've never felt before, I I see the godlessness in society, maybe the materialism, the wickedness, um, to use a trendy word, maybe the wokery around us at the moment, and the darkness of it all, sometimes at least, it really impacts upon us as God's people. We feel the darkness of sorrow and sadness and pain in a fallen and broken world. And we too, as God's people, we need a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to see Him with spiritual eyes. It's what every local church needs. Our national church needs. It's what society needs. A revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. As believers in a local church, it's what we should be praying for each other again and again and again. That our eyes would be opened by the Spirit to see the glory of Christ. If you want to pray for the children's work, for our own children as a church, something to pray for, perhaps the greatest thing to pray for, um, their salvation, of course, but pray that the Lord would open the eyes of our young people to the glory of Christ. We can pray that for our world. And only the Holy Spirit can do this. Only God's Spirit can reveal to us God's glory in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, it's my prayer this evening that we would see something of the glory of the Messiah, that we would want to see the glory of Christ. We'd want to see it and, and wallow in it, enjoy it, and return praise for it. So, what does Isaiah teach us about the coming Messiah in these verses, in these two verses? What does he teach us about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, for. Briefish points this evening, four points. The Messiah would be a gift. The Messiah would be God. The Messiah would govern. And the Messiah would be guaranteed. Gift, God, govern, guaranteed. First of all then, the Messiah would be a gift. The Messiah would be a gift from God to us, his people. It's easy to miss this, but in verse 6 it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Well, a gift or a present, by definition, is undeserved, it's unmerited, it's unearned, we might say. A gift, a present, is an act of kindness, it's an act of generosity, it's an act of grace, it's an act of love, even. Gifts are not obligatory, although sometimes this time of year we sometimes feel it, don't we? At least if we're parents. But gifts are not um, obligatory. Wages are something we earn, but gifts are something which are unmerited. And of course, so it is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus is an undeserved, an unmerited, an unearned gift from our Heavenly Father, to us, His people. The Lord Jesus Christ is an example, the example of generosity, of the generosity of God to us, His people. If the Messiah had come with a a Christmas label with Him, it would have said on it, to us, to God's people. Nathan mentioned this, Uh, this morning but we deserved condemnation we deserve God's judgment we deserve rejection hell death and so on and yet what did God give to us he gave us a gift he gave us his one and only son doesn't seem a fair exchange because of course it isn't just it is merciful The Apostle Paul said, and it's one of those verses we see on Christmas cards this time of year. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15 And then the most famous of verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If we think about the Christmas narrative, think about the angels on the hillside um, revealing themselves to the shepherds. And they say to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, King James Version. For unto you, that's what the angels said to the shepherds, unto you, the Savior is given to you. Unto you, unto us as God's people, the Messiah has been given. Many of us really enjoy Christmas and the celebration of Christmas. But we must ensure that at its center is the celebration of, our, of grace of our God in the Lord Jesus Christ to us. The celebration of the gift of Christ to us. That undeserved gift that unearned, that unmerited gift uh, who is Christ for us. This Christmas, we're to let every present, given, wrapped, unwrapped, whatever it might be, let every present remind us of the gift of Christ from our Father to us, his beloved people. Maybe younger people, maybe older people too. we sat by the tree opening our presents on the big day. Maybe before we do so, that can be an occasion to stop it all before it happens and to thank our God for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. So number one then, the Messiah would be a gift. Number two, the Messiah would be God. The Messiah would be God. Well, our God was going to bless His people through a child, through a son, through a person, through a man. The Messiah would be a real man. As we see in a moment, the Messiah was going to be a physical descendant of King David. But in in this verse, the Messiah is presented to us as one who would possess divine qualities. It's as if this child, this son would be God himself. Look at the description there uh, in that verse. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, it sounds like the description of God himself, not a child, not a son, not a man. And we know with our New Testament eyes that Messiah would at one and the same time be both god and man revealed through isaiah here let's look at these descriptions briefly of the messiah we're told that the messiah to come would be mighty god he would be mighty god so this son this child would be god mighty god And again, through our New Testament eyes, we know that the Messiah would be the Word, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. He would be God put on flesh. That lovely verse in John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He would be God, he would be mighty God, he would be strong, he would be powerful. The Messiah would have the strength to fulfill God's purposes for him, for himself and for his people. The Messiah would be able to save his people to the uttermost, as the book of Hebrews puts it. He would have the power to protect and to hold fast onto us, his people the messiah would be a wonderful counselor a wonderful counselor well the word wonderful in the hebrew could be translated beyond understanding so this messiah would be a counselor beyond understanding he would be a wise ruler He would be a wise ruler of his people. Maybe we're thinking at the moment, oh, that we had wise rulers in our nation, godly politicians. But here was the Lord promising through Isaiah that the Messiah would be a counselor beyond understanding. The Messiah would be worth listening to. He'd be a wise instructor. He'd be a wise teacher. He'd be a wise guide. If you like, the Messiah would be wisdom personified. In the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul calls Christ our wisdom. The American pastor John MacArthur writes, In contrast to King Ahaz and many of the other kings of Judah, this king will implement supernatural wisdom in discharging his office. Supernatural wisdom in discharging his office. Our Lord Jesus Christ knows best how to direct us, to guide us, to teach us. In your own life personally and my own life personally, we come to Christ because he is the one who knows what is best for us. Our Savior knows our hearts. He knows our situations, our circumstances. He knows our problems. And He promises to guide us and to counsel us through His Word. We all need a reminder at times, don't we, to listen to Christ in His Word. In society, widely at the moment, um, if there's any view of God, Uh, which is is common. It's very often that if God exists, he must be a killjoy or a a bigot or a homophobe or a transphobe or a anything-phobe. But our God counsels his people to what is best. That is most honoring to him, most glorifying to him, and which is best for us, his people. He guides his sheep into paths of righteousness, into green pastures. Perhaps some of us here tonight are fearful for the next few weeks or the next few months. Well, our Messiah, our Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, he promises to guide us through our circumstances. Linked to that, we're told there that the Messiah would be an everlasting Father, an everlasting father well i don't think isaiah revealed this or the lord revealed this to confuse our trinitarian theology because the messiah is not the father the messiah is the son the son of god but what is being said to us here is that the messiah would care for his people as a father cares or should care at least for his children that the Messiah would come and he would guide and he would teach and he would protect, he would provide, and he would discipline his children. And he would do all of these things forever. So we've got another little indication there of the deity of, of the Messiah, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to fulfill the function of a father towards his people forever. Reminds us this evening... That the Lord loves each and every one of us as his people with an everlasting love. We've been adopted into his family and nothing can threaten that. Whether maybe this week it's been your shoddy quiet times or your poor evangelism, the poor quality of your spiritual life. Maybe it's a sin that you've repeated fallen into again this week. Maybe it's the trials, trials even that you've brought upon yourself. But the Lord promises to love us, his people, with an everlasting love. He is like an everlasting father to his people. Maybe we at the moment are going through difficult circumstances. Well, we are told in God's word that the Messiah, that our Christ, is touched and moved by our sorrows And that the Lord draws close to comfort us in them. And like any good father, from time to time, our everlasting father will discipline us as his people. And yet we have the wonderful promise in his word that he will always do it gently for our good. Isaiah 42. There in Isaiah, the prophet reminds us that a bruised reed he will not break. Maybe tonight we feel like bruised reeds through our circumstances. Well, our God, our Lord, promises that as bruised reeds, as tender shoots, if you like, as hurting people, he will never break us. He will comfort us and restore us and grow us and change us to be like himself. But he will never break us as his people. And then finally here, he would be the prince of peace. The Messiah was going to be a bringer of peace. He would bring peace between God and mankind. He would bring peace internally to us as forgiven sinners. And he would bring peace between men that one day there would be great peace between nations. The angels said, to, um, or sang, said these words: "Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favour rests." The Lord Jesus Christ was going, going to bring peace to us through His death on the cross. He was going to bring reconciliation between God and mankind. Elsewhere, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The Messiah would be the Prince of Peace. He would be the bringer of peace, but he would do so at the ultimate expense to himself he would give his life that we might be reconciled to god so when we're celebrating christmas i think we're to see christmas as part of the whole uh, ministry and life of the lord jesus christ we're not to take christmas as independent of the lord's ministry and death and resurrection his birth was the start of his ministry that would take him to the cross so that we can know peace, peace with God and peace with each other. The Lord Jesus came as Prince of Peace to make rebels, sinners like you and like me, that we might know peace with God. And so Isaiah gives to us a little flavor of the Messiah, of the God-man, and he reveals him to us in his glory the Lord Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, to be worshipped, to be adored, trusted, to be served and to be loved. So, number two, the Messiah would be God. Number three, the Messiah would govern. The Messiah would govern. The coming Messiah was going to be a ruler no surprise there that's what messiah meant god's anointed one god's anointed king and this is said uh, in verse 6 and in verse 7 the government will be on his shoulders of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom establishing it sorry establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The Bible commentator Matthew Henry from back in the 18th century, he sees a wonderful contrast here between the Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of Moses. And as we've been looking at Exodus, I thought this might be of interest this evening. More than once in the uh, Pentateuch, Moses makes the point that he was incapable of bearing the burden of leading the people in numbers 11 Moses says to the Lord I cannot carry all these people by myself the burden is too heavy for me he says in effect what have I done to to deserve this Moses was not up to it he he wasn't up to dealing with the stubbornness of the people with their sin he was too weak to do so But we have a wonderful contrast between Moses and the Lord Jesus Christ here. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he has the power, the wisdom, the grace to bear with us. Our Lord will bear the government of his people and the whole world and he'll do so successfully on his shoulders and he will do so forever and ever. Our Lord will never cast us off. He's never going to abandon us. He's never going to grow tired of bearing us or bearing with us. He will bear the government on his shoulders. Well, we're told in these verses that the Messiah would be King David's heir. He would be uh, the offspring of King David. He'd be the legitimate ruler of Israel. He would be the king of the Jews, the Messiah would be the fulfillment of the Lord's promise to David. The Lord had promised King David that one day, one of his descendants would rule his kingdom and he would do so forever and ever. And that's the point of the genealogies in Luke and Matthew. At the start of Matthew's gospel and a couple of chapters into Luke, we've got genealogies, family trees of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're both making the point that Jesus was the legitimate heir of King David. The angel Gabriel says to Mary concerning her son, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So in Gabriel's words, there are echoes of this prophecy of Isaiah. So the Messiah would reign over Israel, but he wasn't just going to reign over Israel. The Messiah would reign internationally. He would reign over the nations. The Lord promised that the Davidic king would have obedience not just from Israel, but from all the nations of the world. That's one thing we're told in Psalm 2. That all the nations would owe obedience to God's Messiah. The greatness of His government, it would know no end. It would be ever expanding. It would be adding new subjects to it day by day. The Messiah would be King of the nations. And that was fulfilled when the Lord Jesus Christ came. The Lord Jesus Christ is the King of the nations. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to him. In his resurrection, in Jesus' ascension, he was crowned the king of kings, the king of all the nations. I have said this before in the last 12 months. I'll try and make it the last time, this calendar year anyway. But let's remember this as we do our evangelism. We're not calling on people to do Jesus a favor when we share Christ with them. We're not saying to people, please join the fan club of our desperately needy celebrity king. We're not, as it were, asking them to vote for a needy politician. When we do evangelism, we're declaring that Jesus Christ is king. And we're calling on people to accept his authority and to repent of their disobedience and their rebellion towards him. We're declaring that remarkably, Jesus will befriend, he will adopt, he'll serve repentant rebels like us. And we are to declare that Jesus is forgiving and gracious and kind and gentle, wonderful aspects of the gospel. But at its heart, we are declaring Christ to be that which he is, We are declaring Christ to be king. At the end of Psalm 2, we're told this. Kiss the son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So as we do our evangelism over Christmas, next weekend and so on, Let's do so winsomely and gently and compassionately. But we do so with authority. Not our own authority, but the authority that Christ has given us. That we can declare that he has authority, all authority, in heaven and on earth. And all people must bow the knee before him in repentance and faith. So that was number three, the Messiah would govern And number four, the Messiah would be guaranteed. The Messiah would be guaranteed. At this time, Judah was in great darkness. What assurance did Isaiah's hearer have that these things would happen? Well, they were guaranteed by the Lord. We see there, right at the end of our passage, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this here is the cast iron assurance that these things would happen the lord yahweh the god and father of our lord jesus christ he committed himself to bring these things to pass our assurance is his zeal his commitment his passion our god's zeal for his glory the zeal for the glory of his son, the zeal for us, his people, his zeal, his enthusiasm to bring about his purposes. These things are the guarantee that when the Lord speaks, he will bring these things to pass. When our God commits to something, nothing can thwart him. He's committed to fulfill all his promises to us who are his people. His zeal will accomplish all His promises. He's committed to holding us fast. He's committed to make us more like Christ. He's committed to take us safely across death. He's committed to give us resurrection bodies. He's committed to bring us into a new heaven and a new earth. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish all of these things and all of his promises to us in Christ. Again, maybe this year you feel the darkness of contemporary society out there. Maybe you fear where we're headed as a nation. Maybe you've experienced the godlessness, the wickedness at school or at work, at college, in town, on the media, even at home for some of us. Well, as, I, as Isaiah wrote, a great darkness hung over Judah. But Isaiah wanted the people of Judah not to fear. Neither does our Lord want us to fear this evening. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our King and He is with us as His people Sometimes we look at what's going on out there and it feels like we're 10 nil down at half time, to use a current analogy. And yet God's Word reminds us that we are, despite appearances sometimes, we are on the winning side. Despite what seems to be going on around, around us so often, we as God's people are on the winning side that the kingdoms of the world will all be destroyed, but Christ's kingdom will never end. The light is going to triumph over the darkness. And one day, every knee shall bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know this? Because God's zeal will accomplish this. God's zeal will accomplish this. So our God would have us keep being faithful. Whether that's at school or at college, university, at work, in the home, in the town, in the commitments that we have. Our God would have us to be faithful in serving and worshipping and loving and trusting and glorifying him. So this evening we are to keep loving the king. We're to keep worshipping this king. We're to keep obeying this king. We're to keep trusting this king. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, sometimes we do feel the darkness out there. And Father, sometimes we feel darkness in our own souls even. We, we feel sin there. and we, Father, sometimes we even feel like despairing. And yet, Father, we thank you for your word, your word that strengthens us, And reveals your promises to us. And we thank you this evening for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that one day we shall see him high and exalted. Father, we thank you that one day every knee shall bow. Father, we look forward to the day when we shall see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face and we shall be like him. Father, give us a great expectancy for that day. And in the meantime, help us to be faithful, help us to treasure the Lord Jesus. Help us to become more like him and to trust him and to serve him and to love him with all that we are. Father, you're such a patient and forgiving God, but we pray that by the Spirit you would work in us what is pleasing to you and glorifying to our Saviour. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.